Buongiorno, mi chiamo David e stasera sono qui con Rob, Jamie, Alistair e il nostro ospite speciale, Mick. Benvenuto al podcasting e prassi, because we all need to speak Italian now because we lost the culture war to them. Yeah, we're all going to be eating those um, fish and chip pizzas by the end of the week. Buongiorno tutti mondi. Oh, how are we doing, Trips? Hot. Yeah, why not? Yes, very hot. Did we enjoy the football, or did we not kill? Couldn't give a thunder and fuck, to be honest. I got given a running commentary by the um, the screaming of joy and the screaming of, well, screaming uh, that comes from the block of flats that I live in. So I had a pretty yeah. good idea of how things were going, and it was pretty bad from what I could tell. <laughs> yeah, all, all I got was one cheer that I held, and it was when it equalised. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so that's nice to see. Well, that that's just life. that's anti-English xenophobia. I know, right? But then you can get arrested for not doing that here. <laughs> love all the fucking love all the pricks who were like crying about that, like Scotland supporting Italy, and they were like, "Oh, this is fucking this is disgraceful. I'm gonna yeah. cry." This would never have happened at public school. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? It was like, it was disgraceful for Scotland and, and Wales and all those other, like, oikes to be displaying their disgraceful anti-English, like, racism. And then after the match, when some actual racism happened, like, fucking, you could hear a pin drop from those cunts. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I, weird how that works. I live with a Northern Irish woman, so I had to experience the anti-English sentiment in my house. And I'm fine with it. It was, it was totally fine. As you, as you should, yeah. <laughs> I, in, I enjoyed yeah. like I in, I enjoyed it mainly just because they're just a bunch of good nice lads really yeah. and I, I I like I what I had the I had the constant sort of two split in my brain between I would like it I would have liked it for them because they're mm. you know good boys but I didn't want you know Boris Johnson to have the benefit of a of a football win. So in the well, end, it, it was probably a better result overall. <laughs> it's like um, it's like Alien versus Predator, though, isn't it? Whoever wins, we all lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Because yeah. like, even if, if if we'd won that, there'd still have been I st- there'd still have been like a huge wave of like racism and like violence sweeping the nation because it's just how Britain reacts Man, to fucking th- everything. Thousands yeah. of branches of pizza of pizza of Express would have gone up in flames. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was just one of those fucking really weird moments where everything suddenly went full turbo racism and then, like, you know, like they've been keeping it quiet for so long, they've been doing really, really well to not just be out and out saying it. And then immediately it's just, would you like to see the N-word a lot? Cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a recurring theme across, like, the entirety of Europe, not just not just Britain and England, but, you know, just outright racism towards uh, footballers you know, yeah. em- oh, particularly yeah. emphasizing emphasized when whenever they like you know p- perform poorly in a match or like lose a game or whatever the fuck. Like, I can't remember which uh, what the guy's name was, but I saw there was a there was one of the top German footballers got run out of the entire game because of the racism. I'm like, you know, that's yeah, yeah it's just... like ca- 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 Karim Benzema in France said like if he scores he's french and if he's not he's an arab like he he, yeah. he the, like all, all the arab french players uh, experience that and you know um uh, well look at Mesut Ozil. he's like you know if, if he said he, he he was german if he won and, and he got treated like an immigrant if he didn't i mean it's, yeah. I don't, it's it, the thing that's really getting me is the kind of fp fbb fp fbpe contingent with their thing of like that 
somehow you know the europeans are less racist but also yeah. also they've they, they, it's like they, have you been to france you fucking weirdo yeah or, Ge- or you know germany where where turkish shops regularly get firebombed but um the thing that they're also doing now is suggesting well maybe the racists were actually bots controlled by the russians because that is the, oh, yeah. they always have to go down that line we can't just have racists it has the to be Putin con- yeah Putin <laughs> controls all of our racists yeah r- it's just, you know what i mean like we we missed that last penalty and like a huge cheer goes up across Italy and somewhere in Russia, Vladimir Putin pulls a big lever and like sends people like, which like sounds an alarm and a bunch of guys like slide down a pole, like in Ghostbusters, <laughs> and hacking, a, hacking a state agent's Twitter account. <laughs> it turned, you know, like in the Cold War that they would have, you know, sleeper agents in families. Now all of the sleeper agents are in branches of major state agents ready to be activated at any time. <laughs> I mean, surely oh. no British, no British-born estate agent could ever be racist. I fucking love that estate agent thing. Like he went as far as to say, "Oh no, I've been hacked." So now the cops are looking into whether or not he's been hacked. Yeah, so he's getting done with wasting police time on top of everything. It's like oh, hackers, <laughs> hackers broke into his account. It broke into his account and made a number of racist tweets over a series of years. That's the long <laughs> game. That's how they get you. That like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and he had a second account that was just racist tweets, and it was like. <laughs> yeah. Oh fucking hell! Oh, it's so good. He won't this be is, posting again. This is such a beautifully normal place to live. Yeah. Who was that? Who was that fucking? Who was that fucking head case that was like um, complaining about that about the, the footballer that had like dared to at Pretty Patel? Oh, it was, it was Andrew Lillico, the man who that was, was, so was yeah, who who that in was the him. past has done such thought experiments as what if there is a murderer on a space station? And, <laughs> that's like and, the premise of half of all science fiction movies what if <laughs> just I, the horizon <laughs> yeah the other one that he did which i really like was what if uh, a branch fell off a tree and you carved it into a uh, into a, a horse that your wife liked but then the king came along and took the horse away and said <laughs> i own this now and you went, if we, if and we go, do it <laughs> sorry but but Andrew, this is that's how our entire legal and cultural system works. <laughs> if we're doing favourite Andrew Andrew Lillico bits, uh, my personal favourite was the one where he said, "Would it be possible to marry an alien?" <laughs> he, he sounds like he sounds like he has too much time on his hands. His brain. Yeah, um, but the thing is, he was he used to be the chief um, chief economist for policy exchange, so it explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, well, I mean, if he's an economist, that that does explain it's, it's, quite a lot, really. Like, isn't it? It really does speak to someone who has never had the had it had it in their life where they've been told that they're wrong about anything. Yeah, like, but there was also some some senior um, BBC journal who was just like, I, I think it was Raheem Sterling, wasn't it, who said that you know, fuck off with your with your failed racism, Pretty Patel, and he quote tweeted it and said something like, you know, it's very very mains. difficult to move from yeah from, politi- was, from football to politics, Sterling. and you must be careful or something like fucking hell. Yeah, yeah he, he deleted that. He he deleted that and and replied to like everyone bodying him in Twitter with a with a screenshot saying that like what he'd meant was like. Pretty Patel was getting herself in like dangerous water, mm. so I think I think that was like a, a maybe a genuine fucking like just I'm a journalist. Why should I be good at communication? Rather than like you know what I mean? I'm a journalist. Why should people hold the government to account? <laughs> 
Oh well, farewell to that racist estate agent's posting, and farewell <laughs> also to Willie Rennie. Yeah. Oh, Willie Rennie, it's, it's too soon. I know. <laughs> the candle that burns thank, twice thank as bright. I'm, I'm sick of hearing about the cunt, to be honest. <laughs> so glad to see You're the just jealous that someone else is living their absolute best life. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I just, he's getting attention, and frankly, do you know what I mean? That attention is mine. By right, you know what I mean? That's what that is. Where's my giant deck chill? Well, do you know? Do you know how long it's been since I went down a slide? It's just not fair, like you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, my, Dave, my, David, you. My chief political objections with Willie Rennie are mainly slide related. Yeah, slide <laughs> like hot rod flames on it, man. That, that, that's some cool <laughs> shit. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you might you might stand a chance, Dave. I mean, David, do you reckon Jamie could become the uh, MSP for the islands, or I don't know. I mean, how how happy are you with the concept of black magic and human sacrifice? Largely ambivalent. Yeah. <laughs> as long as as long as people as long as people aren't doing it loudly outside my house, I don't care. This <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> is a very quiet wicker man. <laughs> <laughs> Just banging on the side of the wicker man with this. Keep it down in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Willie Rennie is standing down as the leader of the Scottish Lib Dems after eleven elections and or referendums, which is like quite a quite a eleven CV. Yeah, eleven. Yeah, which I'm assuming he's including all local, European, everything else. He's been leader in Scotland for like three years or something. At the speed with which people fucking do <laughs> referenda. Yeah, I was going to say, I felt like I'd only known he's existed for about 11 weeks. I mean, that that's largely not so much in part to the time that he's been leader, but the fact that he's leader of the Scottish Lib Dems. Yeah, it, it's definitely a job no one gives a fuck about, not even the Scottish Lib Dems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's just wait and see what happens. There's about three other people that could possibly replace him, none of which I know the names of. Um, so we'll need to see what happens do there. We, but do we care? It's well, the Scottish Lib Dems. Ah, do you know what I mean? Might, How many might. other? There's like four of them, aren't there? Uh, yeah. They're not even Harry. a real party. I remember that from the Scott Paul episode. They're not oh, a real yeah, party. Yeah, Let's stop not. talking yeah, about right. them. Yeah, um, fuck it. Move on. Nope. Because <laughs> because the path is now open, potentially. Potentially. Don't depending care. on them putting it off. It's not news. No, Joe Swinson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what if I teased the return of Joe Swinson to you? Would you be interested then? <laughs> nah. I, was gonna say, I, I know what Jamie's going to say already. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see. She, a lot of things she, have to way, happen coming for that. Back it would be to, hilarious to, if she did. She, by the way, coming back to the football for a second, had an amazing thing where it's like, oh, well, mate, fucking hell. What if, what if the game is tied? We should just give extra goals to the people who had I, the ball the longest. I just, just pulled... <laughs> I just pulled up the actual tweet because I knew yes. this was going to come up. <laughs> Suggested alternative to penalties for deciding a tied match. Average score per minute played, fewest bookings. Those are our solutions. Yeah. Average score per minute per minute played in a game where both teams were on the pitch the full duration and by necessity scored the same amount of goals. I, I had two further suggestions. Three, skills wallets. Four, mm. swin zone. No need to explain <laughs> how they'd work. They're Lib Dem policies. Five, whoever I think would be the most polite to me. I think I suggested they should decide it by whoever can smell toast burning the, str- the strongest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell, man. That was easily the most Swinson thing that Swinson has ever said, and I love it. It's a, yeah. 
I mean, there's an entire fucking genre of politicians talking about football when they clearly know nothing about it. And I say that as someone who knows literally nothing about football. And it's incredible. It's like, you you don't know shit. Shut the fuck up. It's not hard. And then, no, no, I must say something about the football because everyone's talking about the football. So yeah. I'm going to come out with some of the most insane, puerile shit in order to break a tie in a match. Okay, let's yeah, let's just do that. What, the, I, the just, fucking... I just love, <laughs> I just love that when British politicians talk about football, they sound like Americans. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, oh, the soccer ball was delightful. Maybe they should have played like a fucking like you know what I mean? An extra pickup at like both ends, <laughs> and you're just like, what? <laughs> oh. Right, okay. Let's let's try and leave the football there. Um, Rob, you have something to say about burgers? Yeah, well, this is... Well, Jamie had something <laughs> well, to say something, about burgers. No, oh, yeah, but only you can pronounce it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, do like, I do like how this is listed in the notes as burger time. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie only put this in the, in the channel like five minutes before we started recording. Um, so there's a new world's most expensive burger, by which you mean you know it's going to be fucking shite. Um, it's created is by. It covered, is it covered in gold leaf? It is absolutely co- covered Fuck in gold leaf. Um, <laughs> it's just gold leaf layered on gold leaf layered on gold. It, they've said essentially it's a gold bullion. No, no, I have a full ingredient list for us to enjoy in but a moment. Is, um, it a, is, the, is the full ingredient list a burger and some gold leaf? Almost. <laughs> like the guy, the guy, someone comes in, gives him like a sack full of euros and he just goes down to McDonald's, gets something off the saver menu and just dips it in a fucking like vat of molten gold. <laughs> I honestly think that might be tastier and better for you. Um, anyway, this is a creation of the Dalton's Diner in Voorthuizen uh, by a guy called... <laughs> By Chef Robert Jan de Veen. Um, I had a look, what? by the way. This <laughs> is Dutch. I can put fuck it. What can I do about it? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sorry, he's Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you can't, you can't trust an Asian of people that grew up on Perno de Perno. No, you cannot. Yeah. No, you cannot. I mean, is I've, it so I've... expensive because like the chef delivers it in blackface? <laughs> no, actually, you get five quid off if uh, if he does that. Um, <laughs> now I'll put oh. I'll put a picture of the fucking burger up in the chat uh, for once. Oh know, yes, I love when we do these visual cues for the podcast. Yeah, and then yeah. never put the, we oh, we'll put this in the Twitter reply. We fucking won't. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you'll be on me. It'll be on me to upload the upload the YouTube video without it, and then get yelled at by strangers <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> and Pretty the much. cycle is complete. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I do have it's. It costs five thousand euros, um, and you can get. It one looks from, like a tumor. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking. Could they gross. not have afforded I mean, more pixels? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the so it's a burger bun made with uh, with a, um, the burger bun is made with Dom Perignon champagne. Oh, Why? Because you need to make a very expensive burger. There's literally no reason to make bread with champagne. It doesn't the, fucking the chef, do anything. The chef poured caviar onto the floor near this burger while it was being made. That's why it's so expensive. <laughs> um, it's got mayonnaise made with smoked duck eggs, which is also oh, just pointless. Fuck off. Um, it's what, got was, just... what was that film? What was that film from the nineties where Nick Cage has to investigate the snuff film and he ends up like tracking down and killing because the, the rich guy, rich oh, guy dies yeah. and his wife finds the snuff film. Like, 
do you know what I mean? Is this what is this what rich people do now that the surveillance state is too severe for them to get away with that sort of shit? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Jamie, the surveillance state is not severe enough for them to not get away with it. Yeah, it's true. Like yeah. one so surveillance it's... state for for us and one surveillance state for them. <laughs> Uh, so, of course, it's got white truffle on it, because everything that's pointless and expensive has white truffle on it when it comes to food. Um, it's got pickled tiger tomatoes. And I hate I hate to bring up Nicolas Cage again, like, so soon. <laughs> but has anyone seen the trailer for that new film that's coming out for Nicolas Cage, where it's John Wick, but someone stole his truffle pig? Yes, <laughs> and, yes and I 100% am going to see it. Yes, that looks fucking, it looks one. fucking amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Nick Nick Cage Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> anyway, oh, you the, always you always get a performance with Nick Cage. Like, you do. You know what I mean? He's, He's not, not a bills good to pay, one, man. Necessarily, but he does perform. And I he do, has I, many many bills to pay. Yeah. Yeah, like getting a fucking marble floor put in in the like huge rented house that he was living in for some fucking reason. That was a that was a fun period in his career. <laughs> <laughs> didn't he? Didn't he buy? Didn't he buy a castle? Yeah, he yeah. did. And then, like, and then it was like, holy shit, it's really expensive to own a castle <laughs> because you've got you've got to like you've got to pay like fucking upkeep every turn and like fucking hire footmen to patrol the walls or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, you know no, I mean? Rob, over like, to you on this one. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. they are fucking expensive. I mean, unless they're undead like mine, then it becomes a lot cheaper. Um, yeah. Otherwise, so the burger is made with wagyu beef, that Japanese hyper expensive yeah. beef. Oh fuck off! Which what, is incredibly beef, sorry, because I, I thought you said barbecue beef. No, wagyu. which is like a, a crisp flavor. No, there's also <laughs> uh, uh, there's a barbecue sauce on it made with Macallan eighteen uh, year old whiskey and oh, Kopi Luwak coffee, which is really fuck off because Kopi Luwak that's that coffee if you've ever heard of it. Um, the cat shit coffee. coffee. Yeah, it's the cat shit coffee. Yes. <laughs> I gotta say, it feels like a massive waste of some wagyu beef just just because it's expensive. Well, it's incredibly pointless because, like, if you if you grind wagyu, which is what you would have to do to make a burger mm, out of it, it like, you essentially it. Yeah. You, you completely destroy it. You lose what is actually special about it. Damn, um, we, uh, there's nothing special. There's nothing special about it, mate. It's food. You eat it. It comes out your ass in, in, in a few hours. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, mean, I think you and I. But this, this, pod, this podcast is going to like make me anti-food because you're always on it. Like, oh, what what kind of plate and style is the burger on? Well, we're talking about made-up shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's one of one of those slate plates, which I fucking at, hate as a plate oh, style. It's not like I found this on the roof. Does anyone, does anyone want a bite? Yeah, it drops out of a fucking cargo plane. Yeah, I but I, I think the 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 price to like taste ratio on a burger, like and after about ten quid, right? You you the 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 amount that a burger can be better as the money goes up declines so yeah, yeah. steeply yeah, massive yeah, diminishing yeah. returns like, on oh, that. Yeah. like obviously there are some burgers like if you buy a burger for like a quid right it can only be so good so obviously there's some space for it to get better as you improve the quality of it but like i don't know i reckon five guys probably maxed out the the the, the level of a but like it's sort of like you know posh people with wine Above a certain level, <laughs> I can't taste the difference. It could be fucking Ribena to me. And I think that's the same thing with burgers. Beyond a certain point, my taste buds don't have the resolution to appreciate it. See, what you need to do is you need to lower the resolution of your taste buds. So you have 10 cans, right? Then you have a Russell's <laughs> burger. 
<laughs> and you're like, this is a taste sensation. <laughs> <laughs> just cook I can't it agree there. Like, I used to, um, I used to have a side job in university uh, doing like whiskey tastings for corporations and stuff. Oh, for fuck's sake, bro! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I, there's only two people I could believe that. Uh, two people's mouths I could believe that coming out of it. Yours and Riley's. Yeah. <laughs> but Fucking I mean, this, the exact same thing is true because, like, some of the like, if it was really high end, they would get like five or six bottles of like five hundred quid and up, and like they're just not that much better than like the forty, fifty, sixty quid range. Like, it's just a, yeah, the, the it's definitely it curves downward the increase in quality. The fuck just, are they putting it? But the fuck are they putting in whiskey that it costs 500 quid a bottle? Is it like unicorn piss or something? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, essentially so a reason of that's rarity. the national animal. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, was a, I was a tech... I, I had to stop being a tech journalist because at a certain point, like particularly when I like was a tech journalist, you looked at gadgets a lot. Because I just got more and more cynical. They were like, well, these speakers are much, much better. Or this TV <laughs> is... The resolution is so much better. And I just got... Yeah, but my eyes are still as shit as they've always been. <laughs> yeah. it like, I don't enjoy this anymore. But you're like, oh, yeah, this is 20,000 pounds, this TV. And it's like, okay, well, this is just a Veblen good. It just like it just exists to show that you have enough money to buy it. It doesn't yeah, have that, an intrinsic sounds, increased that value. Sounds like sounds like my absolute nightmare job, to be honest. Like, you know <laughs> I mean? it's fucking awful. It's <laughs> like them to look at gadgets for a living. People coming in and saying, oh, these um, we've gold plated these, uh, you know, um, speaker cables to make it. And you're like, it's just bullshit. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. We all know it doesn't make any difference. Just say some people like to have gold in their house because they've got Trumpism and their brains are diseased. Gold plated HDMI connectors where it's like that's a digital signal. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it's, like, no, it's, it's better I, it's better through gold like it's like okay. Yeah, right, I, I used to know a guy uh, at uni who um, was like considered himself an audiophile and he uh, said to my housemate that he'd set up his like sound system for a party we were going to have. And he comes over, he does his thing, and it, the speakers just aren't working right. And for some reason, we have to fix it by sticking a uh, like a cigarette filter in into like the volume dial in order for the sound to actually work. We found out the next day, he'd fucking put the cables on the wrong way around. So I'm highly <laughs> dubious. Uh, I've, got, I've got more respect for child murderers than I do for audio files, to be honest with you. <laughs> ah, the hierarchy of fails. <laughs> can I can I tell you one more one more even more irritating thing about this burger, and then yes. we'll move on. It's not to do <laughs> Go with on, then. ingredients. Uh, so the burger cost five thousand euros, but um, they sold one. But the good thing is, the five thousand euros that it was bought for was immediately donated to food banks. <sighs> so you know, instead of just not wasting food and you know getting coffee from cats that are frequently tortured in small cages. We get. We need to have someone eat a 5,000 euro fucking burger instead of so, just giving the fucking money just to people who need it. Yeah, I've got this crazy idea. How about we skip... Eat the rich. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we skip the expensive burger step and go straight to eating the rich. Uh, but in between the skipping and the eating, we could tax them a little bit, is my, is my idea. I mean, it's, I know it's crazy. Yeah. And also, also, if you happen to see a billionaire in the street, you're morally obligated to kick fuck out of them and take their wallet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Also, uh, all, mo- all billionaires are morally obligated to become uh, 500 quid members of our Patreon. Yeah, it's also true. Um, <laughs> right, Rob, we've got one more. Speaking thing. of billionaires, oh. shall we shall we yeah. investigate the wonderful world of capitalism for a moment? Are we, are we going to talk? Are we going to talk about space nonce? Uh, no, final we're not going to talk here. about space nonce. If you would, do you want to no. talk a little bit about space nonce on the final frontier? Well, he's a nonce and he went into space. <laughs> so, uh, I, think, I think that about covers it. Like moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And space travel, we will maintain, is stupid and does not work, and people should stop doing it. It is dumb. Um, anyway, the this uh, the certified collectibles group. Any anybody know what that is? Oh, I fucking hate this already. I, I have no yeah. idea what it is or what it's going to be about. But certified collectible, what certified collectibles group? That yeah. just yeah, that I know sounds what this is, like and I, fucking... I blame Logan Paul. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few people we can blame, but uh, Logan Paul is indeed among them. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know who that is. Don't, don't worry, <laughs> Jamie. Yeah, don't, keep it don't worry. We'll, we'll explain it to you when you're younger. You... <laughs> uh, this is essentially a company where people send their uh, collectible trading cards to, so like Magic: The Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, or however you pronounce that. Um, and then they <laughs> all, right, all right, granddad. <laughs> uh, and then they grade the cards, so you have like an official grade, so you can sell it easier on eBay and on uh, I don't know websites where people trade fucking Pokemon cards to each other. Grown ass adults do that. The um, Pokemon information exchange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, because everybody, you know, because there were too many people with too much time uh, and too much money on their hands during lockdown, the uh, trading and the prices for these things have gone through the fucking roof since uh, Rona, because everybody sat at home. So um, they did be- you um did you see that thing where they had to stop auctions in? I think it was China, like some drug dealer or something. Like all his stuff was being auctioned after he'd been convicted, and he had like a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh cards or so or, or some shit. And they had to stop the online auctions because they were they were going for like five million like uh, <laughs> quid like five million dollars a piece or whatever, and it was just like then people were like these aren't even like particularly rare cards. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it, they just figured like someone like someone was up to no good, so they just had to shut down. Because like it's like oh here we've got like one of his socks, and everyone was like oh ten billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just, just clearly left everyone like- scratch. Everyone's scratching their heads as to what the fucking racket there is. Yeah, that's just art auctions is a scam to transfer money uh, and wash it from one person to another. Um, But apparently the most expensive Pokemon card currently in existence is a uh, Charizard with a blue card back, which was given out as a... Sorry, can you you read that name back to me again, Rob? A Charizard. (laughs) I don't fucking know. You pronounce it, you fucking (laughs) five-year-old. I'll leave it up to the listener's imagination how I'm going to pronounce get that. His, get his ass, Rob. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this particular card with a different card back, blue instead of red, which, was given which, out... Which, as, as we established, was a, a chorizo. <laughs> <laughs> that was a chorizo sausage. Fuck you. Uh, so it was a chorizo, and it was um, given out with a packet of apple-flavored chewing gum, but because the color of the back is different... Uh, it, it sold for 493,230 US dollar a couple of months ago. Obviously, right. the sign well, of think, a well-functioning economy. 
Mm. I think there's a box. I think there's a box of Pokemon cards from when the Bam was young upstairs. So I'm going to get one of those and put it on eBay for two billion quid, and then it's the most expensive Pokemon card in existence. Uh, you might <laughs> honestly, uh, but the problem is, first you'd have to send your box to uh, the certified collectibles group for verification of its quality and grade. Nah, I'm, I'm starting the more certified collectibles group. I'll just do myself. <laughs> Anyway, so the most expensive one is owned by Logan Paul, and he walked into his fight with Floyd Mayweather round with it round his neck because he is one of the worst human beings alive. (laughs) Fight, and what was great was he was fighting the uh, arguably, you know, his equal in being one of the worst humans alive. So it was, um, (laughs) you know, at least sort of consistent. Well, Logan Paul also has an investment fund, which is amazing. I just I that is not a combination of words I wanted to hear today. The, the, the premise, <laughs> I, I swear to God, the premise of Logan Paul's investment fund is um, I will I will give you the heads up beforehand, and then I will tell my legions of insane, stupid fans that they have to invest in I don't know the company that makes super soakers, and then we'll have bought in beforehand, so you know we can write the this the 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 the, 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 the price like that, um, Is this like that kickboxing chess twat from Twitter? You know the fucking. I mean, the I mean it's, it's along those lines. This is the this the, the is guy, the, the this is the same. I can't kid remember who, his name, but the guy that's been banned from Twitter a bunch of times, and he like he he used to be like a, a pro chess player and a kickboxer or something, and now he just spends his days like being a misogynist online. Oh, and Andrew fucking, something. Uh, Andrew something, yeah. Andrew no. Cobra, some Col- Andrew Cobra. Andrew Cobra. Knows, Cobra. I don't know. <laughs> the Cobra. The uh, Cobra guy. Yes. Tate. Andrew, Andrew Cobra Tate. Yeah, that's, that's the, the one. Fucking, that's the cunt. Yeah, he he runs some sort of like weird thing where you pay him a bunch of money and then he tells you how to make money. And it it's says like, nothing good about us that this man's name's in our heads. Well, also, it, took some, it took some finding, do you know what I mean? Also, so, I'm, I'm, I am three years older than Andrew Cobra Tate and he, he honestly looks like a tramp has been sleeping in his face. <laughs> and you, I've got to be honest, you don't know, quite, have quite as half a pretentious name as he does. Didn't he? Um, didn't he turn? I think the cobra bit might be just made up. You know what I mean? But um, didn't he turn up at that? Who's that fucking? Who's that like uh, left grifter guy that does all the shit about anti-fascists and history? Bosch, whatever. Same. Oh, no, no, no. Um, oh, Stuckbury. Who? Mike Stuckbury. Oh, I don't know. Oh, Stuckbury. Yes, yes. Didn't Cobra turn up at his house once trying to fight him? Yeah. Because they'd fallen out, they had like a row on Twitter, and he like turned up in a in a car that I presume, like a sports car that I presume he'd just like taken for a test drive from somewhere. You know my, what I mean? My side story on the Mike Stuckbury thing is, I I was uh, uh, commissioned by GQ to report on the fucking idiotic um, Tommy Robinson Day of Freedom thing, so I was there. Oh reporting on that and Stuckbury was so overawed by the fact that the famous fascists were talking to him that he was like oh I can turn I can you know I can I can persuade them around and went in their little private backstage area and everything and I just saw him doing that and thought yeah you you, you would have been you would have been a Nazi in the 30s because you'd have liked the uniforms <laughs> yeah this episode's entirely about Twitter beefs now let's just, let's just air them all out I'm here for that. Uh, yeah, though, so uh, we'll do one more. Do we want to talk about Pretty Patel's new reasonable force uh, handed to the Border Force? So 
people with migrant boats can be stopped, diverted, or boarded because you know we're 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 such a cool, relaxed country. I think yeah, we can talk about that. Oh, I felt like I was in too good a mood. <laughs> yeah, that's what this podcast is for. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is, is the uh, is the is the main event tonight. Not depressing enough. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the Nationality and Borders Bill will make it easier for the Home Office, as if it was very hard now, to deport people and reject uh, asylum seekers who come by boat easier than, I think, other categories. I don't know how that's going to be done, but that's the thing. Uh, and to Routally make sure that, and relentlessly is my guess. Yeah. And to make sure, because you know this is another one of these fucking Daily Mail talking points that some people can't shut up about, um, that people who come here and claim that they are under the age of 18, are actually under the age of 18, the Home Office... Oh, and are, we gonna, are we going to start measuring people's foreheads? Yep, and like we're going to use x-ray, x-ray and, and dental records. They're going to yeah. cut one of their fingers off and count the rings inside it. And what's more, they're going to make it illegal a, a, a for you to arrest, basically to uh, save someone who's drowning unless you've checked their immigration status first. Yeah. That's great. We love to yep. see that. Yeah. yeah. And they gave some kind of wet guarantee to like the lifeboat and the Coast Guard that they wouldn't be subject to this law, but that's not written in the law. <laughs> that's just a statement. I love to be reassured by just being told, yeah, you'll be fine. Like, no, no, like, citation of what provisions have been given within the law itself. Just, nah, trust us, you're fine. You have to say <laughs> the difficulty fucking... curve on this People's Please DLC is really fucking high. <laughs> I, I hate this fucking country what sort of jobs can get you into an Antarctic research base because I quite fancy the sound of that to be honest like <laughs> could, could an Antarctic research base contain you Jamie I feel like you'd go out into the into the like minus 50 degree weather just to show just to prove a point just to make friends with the thing <laughs> <laughs> also quite a lot of murders on, on Antarctic uh, research stations so between that and the event horizon, I'll you'll be... take my fucking chances. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and one of the other things that's in the Nationality and Borders Bill is uh, the idea, once again, we talked about it before, to have um, immigrants processed offshore. So we're back to Ascension Island or an abandoned oil derrick or sea land or something where we're going to house migrants. Cause... Yeah, no, they're really intent on Ascension Island, which is like so fucking far away it's halfway to the Falklands basically yeah it's fucking what's, what's going on what's going on with Sealand these days I think the haven't prince heard is anything back about that, like, haven't heard anything about that libertarian paradise in a while <laughs> uh, the last I remember was that the, uh, the 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 prince of Sealand fought off an attack by a group of mercenaries who was sent there by some kind of um, billionaire who wants to collect semi-private islands and then P- Pirate Bay was going to use it to house all their servers there. Um, oh, well, that would have been a good use of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that ended Could, up... Couldn't let that happen now, could but, we? Um... <laughs> I, do, I do love that about Pirate Bay. It's like they, uh, you know, they bounce, like, the relay for the website off of a bunch of drones, uh, you know, from a server in, out in the desert somewhere. Uh, in order to keep the website going, and then you get all these fucking far right websites that get taken down because, um, like, Cloudflare says, "Nah, we've had enough of it, mate." <laughs> Apparently, the current prince of Sealand is a guy called Michael Bates, uh, but he currently lives in Westcliff on Sea in Essex uh, because he wants his kids to attend English schools. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazingly. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking incredible, man. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. That is so good. Oh, Oh, well, there you go. There's a job I can apply for. Education minister for the nation of Sealand. (laughs) (laughs) Or or if you want, like, a really abstruse job, you can become its uh, passport processor because apparently they receive hundreds of passport applications every single day. Jesus. <laughs> oh, see, that doesn't sound like a very good idea with Pretty Patel as a Home Secretary because if she strips you of your British nationality, like, you're fucked, you're going to Sealand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of Nicolas Cage movies, then, you know, you're also trapped on an oil derrick. That, that's entirely appropriate for the theme of this episode. Mm. With um, the giant shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. Face Off is such a it's good my, movie. My my favorite my favorite part of of like Face Off is the fucking future prison with the giant shoes. <laughs> Do you know giant what I mean? Like, shoes. like you have to they, they make you wear them because both legs are shorter than the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking hell! Right, Rob, shall we move on to the main topic? Uh, yeah, we shall move on to the main topic. Um, and also why we have Mick on, I thought today we should talk about the Morgan uh, report uh, or the independent panel into the death of uh, Daniel Morgan. Um, Daniel Morgan died in uh, on the 10th of March 1987 uh, under very suspicious circumstances we'll get in, into in but a moment. Um, and after a series of what I can only call grossly incompetently and or corruptly bungled investigations, um, his killer uh, or killers have still never been found or convicted. Um, and the Morgan Report, uh, which has just come out, is nearly t- is just over 1,250 pages long. And it mentions the word corruption 718 times, mainly in relation to the Metropolitan Police of the United Kingdom. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure the word "not" also appeared at least 718 times. <laughs> uh, slightly less so than you'd think. Uh, the the findings of the panel amount to a history and indeed current institutional corruption. Um, said one of the panel members during the launch of the report. It, this institutional corruption is not used in a historic sense. It is used in a current sense. So it is a very extensive report that talks about corruption inside the Metropolitan Police and then specifically in relation to its links uh, to the British tabloid press, um, which, of course, is one of the many reasons why we have Mick back on the show. Um, this is not just about the Met. The report also names uh, mentions by name the Hampshire Constabulary and the Police Complaints Authority as being either institutionally corrupt or incompetent. Uh, so it's nice to know that the police... Comp- that the police complaints authority is also uh, not reliable. Is the police complaints authority just the mob of Twitter accounts that just jam into your fucking mentions the minute you say a cab? So the report was ordered in 2013 by Theresa May of all people because she was probably the last Home Secretary who hated the police and they hated her. Um, and despite some of those things we're out to, to, to discuss, uh, the panel actually had no legal power to compel people to give testimony. So all 74 of these interviews and all the documents were given voluntarily. So I what mean, we have... I was going to say, that, that really is a bunch of people who are very fucking pissed off, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, what it also probably means is that if people were there voluntarily, they may have told some of the truth, but not the whole truth. So there's a good chance that despite what this report already says, there's a large chunk of more corruption that is simply not being uncovered because there was no legal, mean, legal means to uh, press people into giving evidence. Uh, yeah, it means things like there's a huge suspicion that huge tranches of documents held by... Um, News UK, which would have been News International at the time, uh, for instance, are suspected to have not been made available because they were not, you know, compelled to do so. Uh, yeah, I mean, so even despite everything being voluntary and and more than 20 years after the fact, um, according to the report, some witnesses approached by the panel declined to cooperate for a variety of reasons, including fear of reprisal, even more than 30 years after the murder. So just to give you an indication of um, the seriousness of, of this matter, uh, the formal purpose of the panel was to shine a light on the circumstances of Daniel Morgan's murder, the background and handling of the case since 1987, um, including questions about poli possible police involvement in the murder, the role played by police corruption in preventing those responsible from being brought to justice, and the failure to confront said, said corruption, and the incidents of connections between private investigators police officers and journalists at the News of the World and other media and alleged corruption involved in these links. Cool. I mean, it says, it, uh, you know, we've, we've got this idea, oh, I say we, there are people in this country that have this idea that because our police force isn't as outright blatantly murderous as the US is, we're somehow better. But, uh, you know, talking about reprisals, I mean, we've that's something that we've that you know got seen all over the U.S. Like particularly last year after the uh, Black Lives Matter protests, and it does not surprise me in the slightest that uh, you know the Met is capable of meeting out the exact same kind of revenge that uh, you know massively overfunded American yeah, cops are capable for of sure. meeting out. I mean, for sure they're capable or not. Whether or not they actually have or did, we can. This particular cannot and certainly will not speak to or speculate about. It. Well, I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. Um, very briefly, just a quick overview of the actual case, and then we'll go into everything that happened before and after. Uh, this is from the Financial Times on June 23 by Robert Shrimsley. Uh, the case dates back to March 10, 1987, when Daniel Morgan, a private investigator for Southern Investigations, was found dead in a pub car park with an axe embedded in his head. Uh, from the outset, the investigation was a shambles. Forensic evidence was not secured, information was lost and leaked. The report notes that a police officer who led a key search of Morgan's office was a then business associate and later actual colleague of the dead man's business partner, the man who soon became the chief suspect. Um, this, this police officer is Detective Sergeant Sid Fillery. Uh, the dead man's business partner is uh, Jeremy Reese, about Jonathan Reese. Sorry, Jonathan Reese, about whom much more later. Uh, the case threw a light on police officers selling information to security firms and the media and abuses kept quiet by a blue wall of silence. Um, if you read the report, and Mick, I know you've read the whole thing. I've just skimmed big chunks. Yes, I read the whole thing on the day it was released, like um, a maniac. There, there, wa <laughs> there was and still is significant evidence that at least suggests 
that Morgan's partner at Southern Investigations, Jonathan Reese, was working at the time with corrupt Met officers to either do the murder or at least have his corrupt friends uh, close up any following investigation. Uh, again, this is merely a suggestion, not a statement of fact. Uh, yeah, and the and the motive was the motive is 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 thought the the suggested motive was that Daniel Morgan was going to blow the whistle on the the press corrupt police private investigator triad basically. Uh, yeah, <laughs> again, I'm just going to read a line from the from the Morgan Independent panel on. Uh, from the beginning, there were allegations that police officers were involved in the murder and that corruption by police officers played a part in protecting the murderers, question mark, from being brought to justice. Um, Southern investigations, probably at the time, but we can't 100% say, uh, had a deep uh, involvement with News International. Um, at least two years after the murder, uh, the bookkeeper for Southern Investigation, Esther estimated that over 50% of the income from of Southern Investigations came from News International uh, investigating stories and supplying stories to News International. So we can't know that for sure, but if we can reasonably suppose that they didn't start earning 50% of their money in one year from News International, but this was a previously developing relationship that may mm. have been in place in 1987. Um, as I said, uh, the, the investigating officer, uh, Sergeant Sid Fillery, joined Southern Investigation only a very short while after the murder. So after he'd been briefly been in charge of investigating the murder. Um, and both Jonathan Reese and Fillery also kept hanging out and having pint with serving cops even after they were arrested for murder. They were later arrested. So even while they were literally arrested for murder, the cops just kept hanging out and having pints with them. Oh, well, it's nice to see that. It's not really changed in the Met culture. Uh, and, yeah. and, when, and when you're talking about the relationship of Jonathan Reese to, to, to the tabloid papers at the time that Daniel Morgan was, was murdered, yeah, we don't know. It's not copper bottom proof about how much they were earning from tabloids at that point but at a later point when he was on trial in march 2011 it was proven that he was earning 150,000 pounds a year from the news of the world to supply illegally obtained information to the newspaper so that's that's a yeah. fact on the record in the court yeah, record yeah. that that was uh, because they uh, met uh, during one of the many investigations they met placed a bug in his office uh, where this was uh, later on uh, confirmed. Um, in February 2000, uh, the Met analyzed the data and they confirmed that there were at least 273 instances where journalists were provided with police information by uh, Law and Commercial, which was the rebrand of Southern Investigation. So this is after the, mor the, the murder of Daniel Morgan, but certainly, allegedly, these things happened before then um, as well. I mean, this is pretty indicative of like the the course that you know News of the World would take towards the end of the 2010s, right? Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> oh, imagine imagine if something had actually been done like years before, um, you know, the phone hacking scandal had you know caused a newspaper yeah. to be shut down, which is like the the largest ramification. I as far as I'm aware, is that's ever happened to a newspaper in modern history. 
Um, we might actually... Which was 10 years ago this year, just this past month. Yeah, yeah. happy anniversary, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and just like just to, to paint another bit of the, the sketch um, of the 19 former police officers uh, often associated with Jonathan Reese socially or otherwise, uh, his firm and uh, former Sergeant Fillery, uh, 10 of those officers have either before then or since been convicted of criminal offences and sent to pr prison. These offences include drug offences, perverting the course of justice, accepting bribes, obtaining property by deception theft of files, uh, more bribery. Um, this was all according to the, to the <laughs> you, BBC. You've been prosecuted for accepting bribes and also more bribes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's various legal ways in which the word bribe, you know, essentially um, uh, appears. And according to Nick Davies, who, of course, broke a lot of the uh, News of the World phone hacking scandal, he also did a lot of work of, on, on this case at the time. Um, just to give you an idea of the length and breadth of the sources used by Southern Investigations and Jonathan Reed and paid for, certainly, were, these included the Southeast Regional Crime Squad, the Royal Protection Squad, uh, officers in the Customs and Excise Office, VAT inspectors, bank employees, uh, blaggers, other private investigators, uh, an employee in the Passport Office, and uh, other private investigators who moonlighted as burglars, allegedly. So this is a very, like, comfy world where essentially the most, most important thing is you have to see um, there's, there's the Met and other police forces, and then there's News International and the other tabloids, um, but News International specifically, and Southern Investigations essentially acted as like a clearinghouse to sit between the two organizations, make I don't know if, if that's about how I should see it. Yeah, that's a fair way of putting it. And the other thing, the other important thing to, to know about Jonathan Reese is while they, while he was cleared, um, well, while he was acquitted at trial, um, twice, maybe three times actually, um, for the murder of Daniel Morgan, he did go to jail in the year 2000, found guilty of, um, planting cocaine on an innocent woman in order to discredit her, in a custody battle. So that gives you a good sense of what oh, sort okay, of person um, Jonathan Reese yeah, is. <laughs> an absolute fucking wrong one. Yeah, an absolute wrong one. You are legally safe to call him that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and uh, Jonathan Reese, by the way, is not the, the only one. Um, his, his later business partner, Sid Fillery, a former sergeant in the Metropolitan Police, um, was arrested uh, in August 2003 and charged with 15 counts of making indecent images of children and one count of possessing indecent oh, it images. Wouldn't, it he wouldn't, was later it convicted be... for said crime. It wouldn't <laughs> be a British story if there wasn't some nonsense in it. Absolutely, <laughs> Mick. 100% what I was going to say. Oh, fuck <laughs> hell. I mean, there was one bit in Nick Davies' reporting which I just found amazing that like not all uh, of his of De Jonathan Reese's police contacts were apparently doing this voluntarily. I'll just read you a quick bit from Nick Davies. Other police contacts are said to have been blackmailed into providing confidential information. One of Reese's former associate claims that Reese had compromising photographs of serving officers, including who was one, including one who was caught in a drunken coma with a couple of prostitutes and a toilet seat around his neck. Is this not just like? the job description of being a parliamentary whip. <laughs> you could have had a really promising career doing things that were, like, you know, shunned, but, like, allowed. 
Well, David, I can I can only speculate, but I can you know only speculate that this may have been a route through which Whips would achieve would acquire such uh, information. What a novel idea that you've yeah. just come up with, and that novel that you're going to write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, after he's been released from prison um, in 2004, Jonathan Reese does just go back straight back to work. He's then subcontracted by the News of the World and paid paid out of Andy Coulson's budget. And Andy Coulson, if you remember, later the communications director for David Cameron, uh, who oh, knew of yes. his conviction and still happily hired him. Oh, uh, to- it's our fa- favourite boy. He's definitely not been involved in anything dodgy in his entire career, David Cameron. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Certainly Andy Coulson's name has not held in a while. Hmm. Certainly not the man who was who was paid forty thousand quid a week uh, by Lex Greensill and his fund. I thought it was twenty nine grand a day. No, it's forty k a day. He was paid a million a year. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the other. I mean, there's another interesting sort of side point to because uh, since we were talking about news of the world and ten years ago and stuff. If um, so, Glenn Mulcair, who was the uh, guy who was convicted, the first. First of the people, to, he was the investigator. First investigator to be convicted of phone hacking. Um, also a former non-league footballer, which just adds a bit of spice to the story. Um, <laughs> when he came out, when he came out of prison, he was immediately hired by uh, Lord John Stevens's security and intelligence company Quest. Um, three years after his phone hacking conviction, and just when he came out. Oh, of prison. wait, isn't isn't that Lord John Stevens? Isn't that former Met Commissioner Lord John Stevens? And this who... is what I'm about to say to you: former <laughs> Met Commissioner Lord John Stevens, who who immediately after he ceased being Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, became a News of the World columnist on a seven grand an article basis. Fucking now, hell. I think is he the one that used to sell garage doors? <laughs> No, that's John Stryker. Um, John Stalker, uh, yeah. John yeah. Stalker, that's the one, yeah. But, lo- yeah, Lord John Stevens. <laughs> and Quest um, is currently uh, part of the legal action around uh, one Barclay brother, uh, owners of the Telegraph, um, bogging the other Barclay brother. The allegation <laughs> is that Quest were the ones that did that bogging. Now, of course, they deny all the allegations but isn't it but but when you're talking about police complicity to see that that uh, someone goes from being commissioner of the metropolitan police to a news of the world columnist immediately do not you know barely gets the uniform off before he does that is um is striking and what's striking i think about it is like we were talking about cadwallader syndrome earlier where where there's these people who constantly talk about these hidden you know, um, conspiracies. What's interesting about it, there is no, they they do this stuff so blatantly and obviously. It's not really even the conspiracy, like the the death of Daniel Morgan is not, you look at it and you go, it's not really a mystery. It's just that no one, you know, what's, no one bothers to look. Yeah. No, they just, you know, and you know when you talk about incompetent police uh, investigations, they are, very much a feature of this story rather than a bug. Well, it's, it's not like, in the interests of power to have a case yeah. like this, uh, you know, truthfully and effectively resolved, is it? Yeah, I mean, if you there do... were cops who wanted to investigate it, they weren't going to get put on that case. No, mm. I mean, you, you do get the sense when you, when you read the report that, like, 
it's, it's very often it's like a coin flip as to whether or not certain actions were stupid or corrupt, but the outcome was exactly the same. So I'm not sure it, it matters entirely which which it was. Yeah, you're right. In the end, the material effect is exactly the same. So it's it's almost irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, that's sort of something that we also see a lot of in you know other areas of the media: the question of whether it's incompetence or just stupidity. And it's it's great that we're seeing that reflected in the police as well. I mean, the fact that they're you know uh, <clears throat> a lot of allegations of them working hand in hand. The fact that that thing that those two elements would be mirrored in each other, I think, is quite pleasing in a very very upsetting way. I don't know if we've I I I, I might have missed it, but I don't know if we've said actually how Daniel Morgan was killed because he was found with an axe in his head. Like it was, it's hardly the most subtle of uh, of killings off of someone, you know. Like, I mean, uh, as, which, as someone as someone who's watched like crime dramas, I believe they call that sending a message. I was about to say it was very much sending a message. Mm. Um, like it, it was it was done to make a very clear point to anyone else who might wanted might have wanted to you know turn state's evidence as it were. Um, I mean, particularly if yeah. uh, no one was ever you know successfully prosecuted for the murder itself. Fucking hell. No, I mean, so the re- this the initial investigation was incompetent to the question of was it corrupt or not. That the Morgan report does not clearly establish that the actions undertaken in the first investigation were corrupt, but they were certainly so inept um, that subsequently there were four new investigations and an inquest, uh, each of which collapsed on their own grounds for various reasons. Again some due to stupidity some allegedly due to corruption it's it's not clear i'm not i'm not going to run you all three through all of them um but just to <laughs> I, give do, you... I do just want to say i like that we don't have to put allegedly in front of being stupid <laughs> um during the third investigation which was performed by dcs david cook uh the senior investigating officer uh he and his wife were subjected to surveillance and various attempts were made to uh gather information about them by people working for the news of the world um he had after appearing on crime watch to ask for information and offering a reward regarding the death of daniel morgan uh the day afterwards they got an anonymous tip that southern investigations and the news of the world were on the warpath um a week later an untraceable call is made to uh, David Cook's police station where they tried to black his tax affairs out of the police station and into their hands and vehicles uh, later leased later confirmed to be released to leased to News International started surveilling his home and were following him around and they were used by photographers of the of News International this is in the uh, Morgan Independent panel report um, there's a brilliant brilliant part of this though which is the most like when Rebecca Brooks went into the Metropolitan Police and was asked, why are you doing this? She said it was because they thought that the cooks were having an affair with each other. They were <laughs> at the time, they had at the time been married for a decade plus. Well, I mean, that might have been which, the thing that which them Rebecca off. Brooks knew to be true, but she stood there and with a straight face said, well, we thought they were having an affair. So we thought it was in the public interest. 
Well, I mean, there was a very weird meeting. I think, I think it would be um, it would be a good thing for the world if someone kissed but Murdoch and everyone that works for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, there's also at this time, there's a really weird meeting where mysteriously nobody takes any notes. And I think this is with then <laughs> Commissioner John Stevens, Cook, and the Mets uh, Director of uh, Public everyone Affairs. Everyone who went into the fucking meeting had to get, like, neuralized before and after they went in. <laughs> I mean, honestly, not, not taking notes is literally every meeting I've ever been involved in. The Director in, of Public Affairs, Federico, who used to... The Director of Public Affairs, who used to regularly go for nice lunches with Rebecca Brooks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, although David Cook, I, uh, uh, the, the then investigating officer... For reasons that are we can only speculate about, uh, also had a weird habit. He brought home a huge amount of the police evidence uh, because he wanted to write a book about the case and about what he thought happened or not. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I need to check all of this evidence out of the lockup because I'm going to write a book about it. Yeah, yeah, though, that is essentially he literally took home like piles of, of files, like boxes and boxes full. Um, including stuff clearly marked confidential, and he also le- um, he himself also maybe he was building a fort. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he later said he wanted to write a book about it. But in the meantime, he also he himself leaked spe- significant portions of the boxes of evidence that he had to the press, uh, which unfortunately led to a lot of that evidence being no longer useful in the still ongoing series of cases where they did try to figure out who did actually kill Daniel Morgan. So in 2009, there's at last a trial uh, with five suspects, including Jonathan Reese, but pretty much everything that can go wrong does go wrong with the trial. Um, Because of the poor handling of evidence and many other things, um, I'm quoting again from the report. (laughs) Cushions under all the seats, stink bomb goes (laughs) off in the courtroom. The fan won't turn on and it's scalding hot. Johnny Marbles <laughs> comes in and hits someone in the face with a pie. <laughs> uh, the, I'll, I'll read again from the uh, the Palo report. The prosecution repeatedly found itself apologizing to the defense and the court for belatedly discovering documents within various police departments which seriously undermined the credibility of some witnesses. The mishandling of this material by the police led to the concession that full disclosure of evidence may never be completed. So even after 20 years and four inquests and inquiries, nobody ever managed to put all the uh, evidence together, not least because some of it was sitting in... David Cook's home, so you could write a, a book about it. Um, so, due to like this series of fuck ups and and a whole bunch of evidence, who all get dismissed by the court for not being reliable, essentially. Uh, then, director of public prosecutions, a man called Keith Starmer, uh, drops the <laughs> trial uh, because the accused can no longer be guaranteed a free trial. This happens in March two thousand eleven, just like he did m- multiple times with Jimmy Savile. Huh? <laughs> I think this one he's maybe got a bit more actual scope to be like yeah that's kind of like fair enough because he's kind of like hands tied on this one if there's been that many fuck ups then you can't do the fair trial but I kind of get that on this one yeah um, uh, whether I mean, maybe... or not any lessons were to be learned and implemented after this by Keir Starmer remains to be fucking seen who knows <laughs> Well, well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, if it's not the administration of fucking property rights, then you know why? Why would 
why would anyone think the police would do anything about... Keir Starmer know. exists so lessons are not learned. His entire <laughs> existence is about not learning lessons. Yeah, as that- a man whose expertise is forensics, which is the study of things which are still... Like, if evidence is moving all around the place, he's fucked. He's not going to be able to do anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is not the first report um, about the Met being corrupt. Uh, <laughs> Certainly not going to be the fucking last. And we will not mm-hmm. be the last. In 1978, uh, former Met Commissioner Robert Mark called the uh, Criminal Investigation Division the most routinely corrupt organisation in London, which sounds in good. In London. <laughs> Um, there was, there... I, I, like, I do like the implication that the organised crime in London is less corrupt. Have you seen those cunts up in Glasgow? <laughs> uh, there was, of course, the uh, Hillsborough disaster and its outcome where the Met and other police departments leaked and smeared victims. Uh, there was and the lied Mid- on fucking statements and altered statements and so on and so forth. Yeah. Ad nauseum. Uh, there was the McPherson. Yeah, oh, yeah, those fans, those fans pissed on the cops. Yep, you know yep. what I mean. That was that was wasn't it? Which, like, if they had, good, <laughs> but they didn't. Do you know the what I mean? The accusation, the, 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 the accusation that the scum made, the lie that the Sun published was that that uh, pushed by North York by the South Yorkshire Police was that that the the, the fans had uh, urinated on 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 the dying and dead is the thing that they said, which is just the most grotesque thing. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, police words magically appearing almost verbatim in the tabloids and the, the scum and the Daily Mail in particular. Um, there was, of course, what the, a strange fucking coincidence. Just, mm. I mean, you, you just you look at this stuff and like you know we're, re- we're reading about this one specific example and there's just anyone who cares enough to to look you know to to remember other things that are similar in nature and you realize that there's just this long chain of the exact same events carrying uh, you know occurring in different um you know police organizations up and down the country in scotland elsewhere and it boggles the mind that there are people who are still unable to come to any conclusion other than the cops are not there to help you they are not a beneficial force in society as they are currently constituted and possibly ever will be constituted. Well, the most important yeah. conclusion I think we should draw is that it's uh, we shouldn't spend two hundred million on the royal yacht, but instead of in- giving more budget to the police, a Keir Starmer, former director of public prosecutions. <laughs> the other, the other thing that's worth saying about the Daniel Morgan um, independent panel report is what they they they, they is that. Um, Cressida Dick, the, the the current Met Commissioner, was censured in that report for repeatedly doing things that made the panel's life harder. Oh, like I have saying, specific oh, notes on this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And But but let's remember, why is Cressida Dick the Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police after being the commander in the case where the innocent Brazilian electrician, Jean-Charles de Menezes, de Menezes sorry, um, was was killed by by the Met Police, just well, shot down like executed. a dog. Yeah, executed. And uh, uh, with no justification whatsoever. Well, and also and just, well, just just this year, the Sarah Everard vigil and the completely fucking unacceptable police brutality that followed that protest. Yeah, my point is, though, how she should her career should have ended with yep. that failed firearms yeah. operation. That but, is, but, so but that's like... 
But that's yeah. like the um, the the pinnacle of like British policing, though, isn't it? If you like, you know what I mean. You kill a man for not being white, you and know? and for running away, and rightfully, clearly running away. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that isn't that all isn't that all made up? They were like, oh, he jumped the turnstile, and he yeah, he that didn't. turned out not to be that yeah. that turned out to be inaccurate in any number of ways. <laughs> That's such a polite <laughs> way of putting that. Yeah, I know. I was trying to put very large <laughs> quote marks. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that. no, yeah. He, intent was brought over. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, I'll read a little bit from the panel findings. Uh, the mm. Met's culture of obfuscation and lack of candor is unhealthy in any public service, concealing or denying failings for the sake of the of its public inners, for the sake of its public image, is dishonesty for reputational benefit. The well, again, this is a this is a misunderstanding of the purpose of the police. They're not a service to the public. They're a service to capital. Yes. Yeah. The Morgan family suffered grievously as a consequence of the failure to bring his murderers to justice. The unwarranted assurances they were given during several investigations, the misinformation put into the public domain, the denial of failures in the investigation, including the failure to acknowledge professional incompetence, individual venal behavior, managerial and organizational failures. Um, Again, as we've been talking about here, these are not like one-off things in this particular investigation. They happen over and over and over again in every investigation into the Morgan murder and other investigations. And the Met's continued instinct is to place concerns for its own reputation and well-being above that of the public interest. The Met exists to serve the Met and then capital. It's, you know... The- yeah, okay. I'll, I'll concede that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and the thing the thing that struck me in the report and I, you know it's, it's over a thousand pages is where they said you know they said we're talk- this is an institutionally corrupt organization and we are using that phrase not in a historic sense but in a current sense like yeah. it could not be clearer you know and they're saying that even just on the basis of what evidence they could get without being able to to um compel them under yeah. under criminal threat if if this panel had been given full evidential powers imagine what they would have found this is what they found of the stuff they could squeeze out of people yeah well I, I imagine, on a voluntary I imagine, basis yeah I exactly say, if, if there was that threat of um you know the actual <laughs> the law actually doing something to benefit the public uh, then um, they would have moved heaven and earth in God only knows what way in order to prevent this, you know, that evidence. Yeah, from the shredders would have been, New Scotland Yard shredders would have been working night and day. Yeah, well, I mean, the we, amount we, of people trapping themselves inside suitcases would have been so a, fucking high. <laughs> what's the deal with, where, what's all this, what's all this fucking paper that's coming out of there? Oh, they've just got loads of hamsters coming. Done, oh, done. by the way. <laughs> On the side ish, on on a side point, since you brought up people being trapped in suitcases, <laughs> did you see that there's a LGBT festival, um, LGBT oh, no. sponsored by MI6 and GCHQ? Oh, fuck I thought off. that was a fucking bit at first. I was like, ha ha, very good. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes as like a person that is left wing on Twitter, you do read stuff and you have to think, ah, you almost got me there, and then it's. Worse. Mace one step. Can... Oh, hang on a fucking minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I mean, uh, Mickey was saying earlier about like how the the Met refused to cooperate with the panel. I'll just give you a couple of quick examples. 
they first refused for almost a year and a half to dis- disclose any investigation documents. And then uh, they also refused to uh, have the panel have access to its national secure computer system called Holmes, which incredibly like... Oh, Holmes, oh, yeah. Like yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Uh, the panel was first told that it would cost them £26,000 to get a secure laptop. The price of that secure laptop was raised to £65,000. Um, then the panel was told that the, its offices needed thicker walls and reinforced windows. And Chris- what's this fucking what's this fucking laptop made of? Like, is it is it like that like burger earlier? Yeah, yeah it's burgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like that that sounds that sounds like bullshit to me. That's that's all fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like, it sounds like bullshit because it is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh we need to secure a laptop but we need to we need to secure a laptop in like a fucking sealed like under undersea container with like a forty digit <laughs> pin number on the door and all this well, sort of is... shit and then they just le- and then they just leave all the files on the train. Well, that yeah. secure laptop, it's 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 the police equivalent of that bit in Hitchhiker's Guide where they say to Arthur Dent, Well, we've put the plans, we've had the plans on display for a year, and then he finds out that they were a bot at the bottom of some broken stairs behind a locked door yeah. behind a sign <laughs> that says Beware of the Alligator in the bottom drawer of a of a filing cabinet in a flooded basement. And you go, yeah, okay, yeah, we just have to find a secure computer. We can't tell you what one of those is, but we need one. We're going to yeah, have to invent it tell you what it's not. find it. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the solutions they finally came up with, uh, and Jamie, you're not far off with the uh, thing under the sea, uh, it took two years for only one staff member who was allowed to gain access to uh, Holmes, a secure computer, and that staff member had to cross half of London from one office to another to do it at a separate location, despite at this point the Met having confirmed that the uh, location of the panel was secure and they could have just had a laptop there. So it just made like one staff member cross half of London every time he wanted to look up or she wanted to look up some fucking files. is ridiculous. I mean, this... I mean, this is again like coming back to like the fact that this panel had like no legal powers to compel anything. Like that, I think we talked about in the past, like the barriers that get put up in order to, uh, you know, either prevent or delay or obfuscate, you know, the, you know, you know, either pursuit of justice or like society improving somewhat. And it's just things like that that just seem to weirdly crop up in all these extremely inopportune places whether it be having to cross fucking half of london in order to um to get onto a computer that's got access to the shit that a a panel needs to get access to or if it's weirdly like photoshop pictures of certain members of the opposition um (laughs) that keep and keep turning up in this oddly favorable way to uh you know institutional power and you can't help but think that these are the, all these coincidences really are stacking up. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you saw. What I find really weird about this is that see the idea of a laptop. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this. They're designed to be moved around to different places at a moment's notice. See, this is a secure laptop, David, because it's got a big chain attached to it. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I see. Right. Okay. That makes. Yeah, it's sense. one of those. It's one of those like military laptops with like Kevlar around it and everything. You know, it comes in like a, a fucking case that looks like a table. <laughs> <laughs> you just like swing it and kill a man, and it's like, but it's only got like eight minutes of battery life, and it only runs Windows three point one. Uh. <laughs> and even then, you can only play Minesweeper. <laughs> that, yeah, 
Yeah, there's not enough space for solitaire. And I mean, the the, the fuckery wasn't just like during the, the, the eight years that it took to produce the, the report, despite that it was foreseen to be done in one year. Um, if you remember, this was all this year. Uh, the initial date of publication was for May 17, uh, but was then blocked by Pretty Patel's office. Uh, first, because of the death of Prince Philip, which was, of course, a good reason... <laughs> All the laptops had to be set to, like, black screensavers in order to honor the dead. <laughs> it's because um, it's because of um, Prince Philip's long-standing interest in unsolved murders. <laughs> <laughs> There's a conspiracy theory for you. Like, uh, Murdoch had... Murdoch had Prince Philip offed to delay this report. Oh. Um, yeah, so first got of all... Shoot, shooters on every continent. <laughs> so first it was the death of Prince Philip. Then they said they needed to delay it further because uh, they were worried about its it, the report conflicting the European Convention on Human Rights, you know, that thing that we had to have Brexit over because we couldn't abide by it anymore, mm. uh, and national security issues, and it was finally released two months after its its supposed publication. That is um, no the national security is is failed because can you imagine what would have happened if Daesh found out that the Met was institutionally corrupt? That's true. That's true. We had to get out of we had to get out of Afghanistan first, otherwise it would have all come <laughs> collapsing down. I have smashed my head up against um, claims of national security concerns so many times in my fifteen years of trying to report things that the government doesn't want to hear and it is it's there always they go to and the brilliant thing about it as an excuse is it's impossible to uh, uh disprove because yeah. they say we can't there's national security concerns and you say well what are those concerns they say well we can't tell you of course because they're it, they, that they're national information is national security concern so it's just cyclical and 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 you could and it can take you know take decades to prove that it was not true. And by that point, nobody gives a fuck about whatever the thing that is revealed mm. is, you know? It's why so many things come out and you go like, you know, you look at the Bay of Tonkin or something, there's stuff where you go, you find out later, oh, that that we were told happened didn't happen. And people go, oh, that was a long time ago, so it's not really conspiracy theory, that's just history. When you go, yeah, but that shit still happens now. They just have this assumption that, like there's no conspiracies now. It's just, and anyone who says that there's conspiracy is just really, you know, a mu- uh, is, is 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 covered in tinfoil rather than saying actually, you know, the point with conspiracies is they're sort of just more workaday, mundane, day to day, prosaic things rather mm. than like you know fucking faking the moon landing or whatever. And I mean, <laughs> to, to me, the re- I mean, there's several really concerns about this. First off, of course, for the for the Morgan family, uh, his mother died. During all these failed investigations, they still don't know who actually, they have no justice for their murdered son, their murdered brother, their murdered father. Um, We still don't know what happened. So I don't want to lose sight that there's a real human cost attached to this story as well. But in in a broader context, if you're looking what's happening now, uh, the Met wants to have uh, powers to do facial recognition software. We have the anti-demonstration bill going through Parliament still. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but the Sarah Everard vigil and what happened after. um, Once again, the corruption is institutional and current and not historic. And so much of it seems to depend, any regulation of the Met seems to depend on the whims and the attitude 
of the individual Home Secretary. The only reason we got the, this panel and this report is because Theresa May didn't like the man. But now we have Priti Patel, who obviously cannot wait to, you know, what was her line about what her end of the year thing? Going after the criminals and going with the Met on their raids. Um, so Yeah, and we've also just recently seen um, Met raids on, on, on you know, on um, art studios to destroy artwork related to Extinction Rebellion and stuff. You know, like the Met is often used by Home Secretaries as a kind of personal army. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, in fairness, Extinction Rebellion say, oh, shouldn't have publicised to the Met specifically in a letter saying this is where we're doing a propaganda oh, well, from. Well, they've got the tactical fucking nouse of a potato. Yeah. Like, they are... <laughs> but, you know, you, the, the, what, the great problem with the XR is XR's basically full of FBPE, like, yeah. oh, the police really are good people if you get to know them fuckwits. Well, that's, and that's why you have why to write them letters about your crimes, eh, Extinction Rebellion? And it's also a fucking... I mean, let's face it, Extinction Rebellion's a fucking op. Yes. It almost immediately was as soon as any it gained any sort of notoriety. But in this case, it's interesting to just see art studios raided to have mm, yeah. artwork yeah. smashed up, you know, on the word of the of the Home Secretary. Uh, yeah, and I think the most the most important thing is if we look forward to, you know, any hope of a socialist government or something, and, and I do fault Diane Abbott in this one as well for during the Corbyn years, you know, she talked about putting 10, 20,000 more police on the street the answer here mm. is any serious... The answer here is a, another Christopher Dorner, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> the one good cop, is it? <laughs> yeah. We can only have one, so we might as well make it a good one. <laughs> hey, but don't worry, because while we've been recording, um, Led by Donkeys oh, sent no. a truck with a screen on it, oh, with no. Tyrone Ming's tweet on it, to oh. drive outside the home office, oh. which is... An, and isn't it great to see a bunch of white guys in advertising um, taking credit for the work of a black creative? Yeah, do uh, do love to see that those fucking terminal cardigan cunts. Yeah, fuck I mean, them, man. I yeah, hate I them think so much. I think anyone anyone who's taken in by like the grift left and like grift libs and everything and sends money to like XR or led by donkeys or any of those like fucking million different dickheads on Twitter. <laughs> You should just send that money to me. Yes, yes. And I'll just I'll just spend it on myself, and it'll do as it'll do as much to reverse Brexit as it does like you giving it to fucking EU Supergirl or whoever. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, the thing is, Jamie, it literally would because it would be giving it would be alleviating at least one person's like you know living situation, which fucking yeah. everything else that they've done has done nothing in that in that direction. So I mean, like it just one. What a final thought, like it, if we're ever going to be serious about socialism and building a new democracy and a new country out of this smoking shit show that is the United Kingdom, the, Met, the Metropolitan Police, and I would say most, if not all police departments in the United Kingdom, they cannot be reformed and they must be broken up and destroyed because there's yes. no way that this system will ever improve itself. It, it will not happen. No, well, ACAB includes cops. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's I face it. The, o- tell. <laughs> the the only fucking actually good cop is the one in Disco Elysium. So it's true. It's true. <laughs> but I think um, you know we started with the football, so I think we, even though we lost, we can still be proud, don't you think, David? Can we still be proud? Um, 
Do uh, we have to be? Uh, no, no, you don't yeah, have make to be. Yeah, make me. <laughs> I, I won't. Right, so. Bit of comment or commentary. A bit on the football in that. Um, but usual rules apply. Mick, I'm going to ask you, because you are encyclopedic with this, to answer <laughs> last, if you could. I will, I will do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll be amazed if I can slip one by you, but I'm going to try my best. So Okay. 33% of Labour voters think there should be consequences for those who say or do anything deemed hurtful to minorities, as opposed to just 18% of Tories. Consequences. What a horribly ominous Stalinist word. Comment or commentariat? Commentariat. Yeah. Yeah, commentariat. Yeah. Cool. That was commentariat. Virginia well, Blackburn get to play in, in the, the Daily end, Express. Doesn't... Yeah, I knew, yeah, I... <laughs> I was going to say it's Virginia Blackburn and the Daily Express. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, the next ones, you can tell me who it was. All right. Right, okay. Um, what one next? A key tenet of the wokeism perpetuated by the BBC uh. is that you can choose to be offended by your truth, i.e. your perception of injustice without having to provide any this objective is fucking, evidence. This is Forehead McGraw, isn't it? <laughs> This is exactly his flavour of fucking horse shit. <laughs> Yet when the boot is on the other foot, the BBC doesn't see it that way. I find taking the knee to be a deeply offensive act, but apparently my views not only don't count, but shouldn't be reported at all. Comment or commentary at. I, well, I think whoever it is, they should write their views down on a bit of paper, roll it up, and then hammer it up their fucking piss pipe and leave the rest <laughs> of us alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's got that's got to be another commentary yeah i'm gonna go yeah. with jamie it's uh it's mr forehead right okay doke mick oh because there's been a few of these i feel like it is brendan but I, but maybe not there have been a few it could be what's his face the fuck the uh, paul shithead but no Paja- pajama say- what's so embry yeah oh paul embry all oh, oh, right fuck. <laughs> oh, is he that is he that fireman? Paul Embry is a is a honest to goodness <laughs> national socialist. Yeah, <laughs> <Is he? laughs> yeah. Fair play. That oh. is a very apt description. <laughs> that was a comment in the Telegraph. Ooh. Oh, that person should be promoted. Can you prove it wasn't posted by Brendan? <laughs> Um, I don't. I cannot prove that it wasn't Brendan. We don't know, but then I doubt. Then I think. I think we all still get the point. <laughs> no, I think no, because I think. Yeah, that Jamie. Brendan let's, O'Neill, let's, let's take a quick vote. Who thinks we should get the point? I, this isn't a, point. a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, do you want to keep track of all these points in case we need to come back to it in future? <laughs> yeah, what happened to that? We we were at one point keeping track of them all, weren't we? We, we were, well, but we then we all that? discovered that we had the same work ethic as you and stopped doing it. <laughs> and also, Jamie kept fucking around with the points because that's what he does. <laughs> if you want to drive a car or own a credit card or fly on a plane, you have to reveal your real ID. Oh, if you want no, to directly no, target no, black no. sportsmen and women with racist abuse on social media or homophobia, you have to have a syndicated so, newspaper column. Or homophobia, <laughs> transphobia, misogyny, etc. For that matter, you don't. You can create a fake account with a fake ID that cannot be traced back to you, and be free to spit your hideous, disgusting rhetoric to your sick heart's content. 
This is a complete nonsense and has led to an atmosphere of total lawlessness where these morons feel emboldened to spew their bigoted venom with no fear of being made accountable for it. It's got to stop. Comment or commentary just, just, I, Was this I, I the think, Shadow Home Secretary? Yeah, I was going to say, it's <laughs> the Labour front bench. Yeah. This is, this you, is um, the true description of fucking newspaper columns, down, like, pretty much down to the word, apart from, like, Twitter accounts. <laughs> yeah, right. The thing, the thing with this that keeps coming up is, oh, you should have, you should have to have a license to post on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> have you seen Facebook? Everyone on Facebook is posting the most fucking like heinous, yep. racist shit twenty four seven under their own fucking name yeah. in the comments of their children's school <laughs> the or times- like whatever. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> just the fuck off with has- it. But- the Times has comments which are linked to credit cards because of subscribers can only comment there, right? And there's some that's a racist cesspit. Uh-huh. So again, you know Yeah, well, you know what I mean? Those those people paid to get in. Yeah, also they, I know who they're you know what I mean? They're entitled. Um since you since you brought up needing needing an ID to fly, did everyone see that thing where the, the wifey tried to open the plane door in America this week? What? No. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. There was there was a tweet going around. It was like a a really blurry photo of some woman duct taped to the chair on a plane. <laughs> Fucking hell. And it just it like, do you know what I mean? It sparked like a huge because obviously there was like loads of people going, "I'd have fucking thrown her out of the plane" and all this sort of uh. stuff. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure you would. <laughs> and like, she endangered all these lives. She should have been shot. And you know <laughs> what I mean? And all this sort of stuff. I love I love yeah. the, I love the fire loaded gun in a pressurized vessel. Oh, like and, and loads, loads of people. Oh, if I'd if I'd seen that happen, I'd have like proper like fucking um, like fucking that race crime that race crime guy that does films. What do you call him, Marky Mark? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know who I mean though. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. He used to be Marky Mark. Yeah, him. Right when he he did the thing about like if he'd been on the plane at nine eleven, it would have gone down different. Oh yeah, it was just like <laughs> yeah, tons of people posting. <laughs> yeah, people posting that shit in the comments. It was basically, it was basically all like fucking like cop shaggers mixed in with like bottoms going. Oh, I wish that was me. It was just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like tremendous vibes all the way down. Like. Oh, fucking incredible! <laughs> right, okay. Comment or commentary out on that one, folks. I know who it uh, is. Sorry, can you read and it again? I've forgotten what you said. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, let's just fucking say license. it's commentary uh, commentary <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was um, commentary who was yeah. it Mick it was um, Piers Morgan in, in Mail Online it was oh it was. my god I'll wait for it though I've got a caveat that I haven't read from the same article I've heard and fully understand all the arguments for maintaining people's rights to anonymity on social media including protecting whistleblowers and activists in countries that try to suppress free speech and but I'm believe, going to dismiss them. <laughs> but I believe the case for taking that right away is now overwhelming. <laughs> oh, okay then. Just a world. I believe. Class I believe. Cunt. Like someone should just fucking kiss him up and down, like the 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 entire set of stairs in a tower block, day and night for a week. <laughs> Every time he fucking, like, every time he says anything, basically, it's like fucking, oh, you've got an opinion, have you, Piers? Get in the stairwell. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just fucking, honestly fucking hate that prick, you know? Yeah, like, would, oh, you, would, you be, would you be wearing the big shoes from Face Off while you're doing it? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, like, you know what I mean? Right, last one. We were humiliated by Italy, and the sneering and gloating from the likes of Bonucci is very hard to take. As a nation... <sighs> We can only put this behind us by getting even. 
We now have to humiliate Italy in order to settle the score. Italy, are we? <laughs> it can be in any field, from politics to business, sports to warfare, but we must what? now defeat the Italians at something. I would not be against heavy tariffs on Italian products and making them pay full price for British COVID vaccines. That would be a start. Uh, Comment or commentary at. I know, how to st- I know how to strike back at the heart of every Italian, that's putting cream in your carbonaras. <laughs> Hear me, Elijah. Yeah, don't do that. Fucking hell. Jesus, I'm not even Italian. I'm offended by that. <laughs> See, even people who like Italian things. <laughs> Oh, Do you know the the last the last Italian meal I ate was a pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> love a bit of love a bit of continental cuisine around here. <laughs> well, may I introduce you introduce you to a fine Dutch burger? <laughs> yeah, just have like have a bacon sandwich with like mayo on it and go. This is quite like a carbonara. This. <laughs> right. What do we reckon? Comment or commentary? Yeah. Comment. Oh, I, I, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just comment. Whoever it was needs to get out more. <laughs> uh, it's a comment. It is a comment. That was a comment from, of all places, of course, the Daily Mail. Beautiful. What a way to round out the day. Yeah, yeah. You love to see it. Well, that's all there. Um, I think all that's really left to say then is, Mick, thanks very much for coming on. Um, where can people find you? Thank you for having me. Uh, just at Broken Bottle Boy on Twitter, where you can also find links to all my shit. Which is good shit. It's very, it's very, yeah, I was going to say, it's very good shit. Mick, yeah. an actual public service. Yes, the Twitch stream is great. The Substack is good. You should subscribe to them and pay him money. Yes, but not before you pay us. Yeah, pay them first. Pay both <laughs> of us. Pay all of us. Yeah, pay us all. Yeah. Um, if you want to pay us money and get bonus episodes at the moment, one per month, plus early access to the Black Thoughts episode, which has just been released um, at the time of recording, um, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. We also have some new shirts as well. Yeah, oh yeah, I've, I've been fucking prolific lately with the shirts. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to possess me. Yeah, if you would like a shirt to pay tribute to the the powerful fighting vehicle and meal preparation Ready meal device. preparation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find that on the Teespring store now. The link will be in the description. And I guess if we don't see you... Um, no, in fact, we will see you next week um, on the regular episode. If not, we'll see you on the bonus after that. Catch you later. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, see ya. Hi everyone, many of you will have seen this by now, but we lost a true comrade and a friend today. Dawn Foster died on July 15 at the age of 33 as a consequence of her long-term illness. To many of us here at the podcast, online and among our listeners, she was our friend, our ally and a staunch advocate for a better world. Her writing informed, enlightened and entertained so many of us. Dawn was a rarity, someone with vision and moral backbone who stood up for what she believed in, even sometimes at the cost of her brilliant career. We would like to wish all her friends and family our condolences and our love at this time. Her colleague and friend James Butler, many of you will know him online as Piers Penniless, has asked that if you wish to contribute in her honour, you can drop a line at fordawnhfoster at gmail.com And if you wish to donate, please donate to the Dogs Trust Freedom Project. 
we will provide a link in the show notes. From all of us here, Dawn, rest in power.